Welcome to the Candidate Experience Talks, a 15-minute deep dive where we explore real-life candidate experience tactics through honest talks with experts in recruitment and talent acquisition. With me, Sima Vanessankel, let's go! In this episode, Astrid Svedieros, an HR professional fighting to spread the message about the importance of evidence-based HR and how to put this into practice. In today's episode, she will share her learnings and why you cannot trust your gut feeling when it comes to making important decisions and changes in your recruitment process. She will also share what you should do instead. Hi, Astrid, and uh, welcome to the Candidate Experience Talks podcast. Hi, Simon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you and great to have someone in the area of more focused on research in HR. And I know you, you read a lot and you write a lot and you have your newsletters and webinars and such related to research in HR and your favorite subject, working evidence-based. But how did you get on the track of research in HR how did you find a passion for that well um, the short version is that about six years ago I I realized that uh, when we I studied HR at university and when I started working uh, I I realized that we often lose the connection between research and practice when we go out into an organization and start working. Uh, so we might come from university where there's a, a big focus on research and then we come into an organization and then we we start doing what other more experienced HR professionals are doing. Uh, we start doing what maybe what the leaders in the organization ask us to do. Uh, we start uh, looking at what other HR professionals are doing, uh, but we we often lose this connection to the research, uh, and we don't take the research into account when we decide what to do and how to do it. Mm. So you mean that when you started working, you meant that the the leaders and the others in HR departments and organization didn't apply using research and data and working evidence-based. Yes, I, I realized that sometimes uh, what we do in organizations uh, don't align with what the research says. Uh, and I also realized that I myself lost the connection. Like I, I didn't... Um, I didn't go to the research and looked uh, at what what that says. Uh, And I started um, focusing more on what other people are doing and what the organization asks of me, etc. So when I realized that, I... I I wanted to go back to, I wanted to find that connection again. Uh, And that's where, when I started uh, reading more research and started uh, sharing also what I read. I I, I think that's like normal human behavior. I would say to trust like your gut feeling or your instinct. uh, I, I think that's a lot easier. It's I, I can only relate not only to, to what I do at Trustgroup or, or in my work life, uh, also to my personal life. It's, it can apply to grocery shopping as well, I think. Uh, so you are preaching a lot about working evidence 
evidence-based in making decisions. So what does that mean to you, working evidence-based? Well, uh, in order to understand uh, the concept of evidence-based HR or evidence-based management, Uh, I think we need to back up a little bit because this term is actually derived from another term, which is evidence-based medicine. Uh, So this actually comes from from the field of medicine from the beginning. So in the 80s, uh, this term was coined. And what it means is that medical professionals like doctors and nurses, uh, when they make decisions about the care of individual patients, they should base it on the best current evidence that's available. And that's pretty obvious, right? Uh, I'm I'm happy to hear that about medicine. (laughs) I'm I'm very happy to hear that they work evidence-based. And I I, I didn't know that before this chat. So, okay, it's it's influenced from medicine working evidence-based. Yes. And so in in the field of medicine, medicine, like when we go to the doctor, we expect them to base their decisions on evidence, right? Uh, But then when we go to an organization, uh, then it's suddenly okay to base our decisions on gut feeling, on trends, on fads, on our instincts. Uh, And I don't think that's fair to our employees and to our shareholders. I think we should apply the same um, the same thought on decisions in organizations because we want to have the best results, right? So then we need to base our decisions on the best evidence. Uh, so, so what it it's means... A, it sounds very simple when you say that. <laughs> yes, uh, and yet so hard. Uh, and I think, I think people maybe uh, view it as harder than it is. Uh, because sometimes uh, being evidence-based or or trying to be a little bit more evidence-based at least uh, can be quite simple. Uh, it can be just uh, like when when you have an idea or you have uh, uh, you have some thoughts about what you want to do, uh, maybe sh- make some changes in your recruitment process, for example. Uh, instead of just um, having that idea and going through with it, uh, then you can just take a step back, ask yourself critically, what is the problem here or the opportunity here? Uh, what is it that we're trying to achieve? Uh, and then uh, start thinking about uh, what solutions would be the best to solve this problem and not just go with the first idea that you have or the first thing you see other people doing doing for example and if if you could relate this to candidate experience as well what would be an example then i would say the first thing here uh, because a big part of working evidence-based is that before you do anything you need to understand the problem or the opportunity Uh, so if if we don't know what the problem is then we can't solve it right and we won't know when we've solved it so the first question you need to ask yourself before doing anything uh, is what is the problem here or is there a problem so when we look into our candidate experience for example then we need to ask ourselves ourselves is there a problem here or is there an opportunity here to become better uh, and have better results from doing anything uh, and when we answer that question, 
we need to look at the evidence. So we might look into what does the data from our recruitment process tell us? Uh, does it tell us that people are rejecting our offers or that they're dropping out from the process? Uh, do we have any data from the candidate uh, that says that something is not working? Do, what do newly hired people say about our process? So we need to look at the data to understand uh, what the problem or the opportunity is. Uh, and then we can start making hypotheses about uh, what changes we can make in order to achieve the results that we want. Mm. Did, did you, uh, can you go through any hypotheses? That might be a new concept for the listeners. Could you, could you have an example that you had recently? Yes, for example, let's say that we see that there is a problem in our recruitment process. Uh, we see that uh, people are only maybe 60% of the people that we make an offer to are accepting them. So that's a big problem, right? We want people to accept our offers. Now we know that there is a problem, but we might not know what the causes of the problems are. So an hypoth hypothesis is a guess uh, of what the problem is, or a guess of the logical model. Uh, so in this case, we might look into some data of the recruitment process. Uh, maybe we have some data from the candidates telling us that uh, the communication is not working or uh, the process takes too long. Uh, so we make an hypothesis which might be the recruitment process is too long and therefore people are rejecting our offers because they receive other office, uh, offers in the meantime, for example. Okay, so that, 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 that sentence, is that the hypothesis? Yes, so the hypothesis, hypothesis is a guess that we can test. So we have the problem, we have a guess uh, on what the, the problem is and the, the logical model of the problem. Uh, and then we can go on to testing. So we might have an idea on how we can solve this problem. Uh, we might say that, okay, may, if the hypothesis is that the recruitment process takes too long, uh, then we will try to make the process faster. And then we will see, did the... Uh, did the um, results go up? Were more people accepting our offers? And then we can reject or we can say that, yeah, maybe the hypothesis is right. Okay, so if you confirm a hypothesis, by if, if you have shorter processes, that 60% accepting rate would go up to, let's say, 90% instead. Then you know that you can spend, you can invest time and money in improving this metric. Is that then you feel confident? Then that that is not based on gut feeling. Then you you've built something, you measured something, and you learned something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I read a book seven years ago called The Lean Startup, which is a book on that can be implemented in 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 many organizations that introduced for me at least the concept of build, measure, learn, and hypotheses. So I I also think it's important, and I think. I think HR organizations can learn from, from both those types of books and like you mentioned, medicine as well. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that there are influences from other areas as well. So could you give some examples? Because I've know, I know that you have seen and been part of, of many recruitment processes and organizations and, and you've seen a lot and discussed a lot. So what are like examples of when organization could have worked evidence-based with... Uh, 
Is there a problem building a hypothesis, testing the hypothesis? Uh, are, are there like normal cases where they could have done that, but don't do that? I've seen examples where organizations are trying to improve their recruitment process. Uh, they try to, for example, they automate a lot. That's very common now that you automate parts of the process uh, and you might implement some tools for measuring candidate experience, for example, and for measuring the recruitment process. But where you uh, forget to, uh, to look into what the problem is or the opportunity and design the process after that. Uh, so I I heard uh, an example recently where someone applied to uh, a job that they were qualified for and then they filled into all the forms uh, in the application. Uh, they sent the application and then they had an automated response that said they weren't qualified. Uh, so what happened here was that uh, they filled out something wrong. Uh, so they, they, the system decided that they, they weren't qualified. Um, and then uh, this person uh, tried to find the, the name or the number to some recruiter because they wanted to hear like what, uh, what happened here. They couldn't find any contact information in the ad or anywhere else on the website. Uh, they tried to contact the customer service of the, of the company uh, and they referred to an email address for not to a, a person but to like a talent uh, function. Uh, so they emailed this and didn't receive a rep reply uh, for for a very long time. So what happens here is that you you do things, but you don't really see what the consequences will be for the process or for the for the outcome uh, and for the candidate experience. Uh, and in this case, this person also received a form uh, where they would rate the candidate experience of this recruitment process. So just measuring your candidate process or uh, measuring your candidate experience uh, is not what's going to lead to an improved process. Uh, you need to know what, what your end goal is uh, and you need to look into... Um, what can help you get there so it's about building measuring learning if i apply my my the lean startup theory again the candidate experience talks are small chats and i'm so happy for you joining us i have three quick questions here uh, to wrap this up so what's your favorite tool uh, my favorite tool uh, is this is not an hr tool but it's a tool i use every day uh, it's google scholar uh, and that's like the, the Google version of a scientific database. So that's where you can go to search for scientific research. Thanks. And what's your favorite metric? Uh, my favorite metric, this is hard um, because there are so many. <laughs> but I would say a good, a good HR metric is one that is uh, valid and reliable in how you measure it, but also one that you can act on and that, that tells you something important. So I would say when it comes to recruitment... I would say success rate or something like that, like like the percentage of the people that you hire that after a while in the company actually performs uh, well or at a satisfactory level, because that's the end goal, right? That's what you want to achieve. 
And then you can also use this metric and look into other metrics of the recruitment process. Uh, and you can see what, uh, which of those are related to the, to the outcome variable that you want to uh, have at a high level. And what's your favorite book or content in this area? A book that I recommend a lot uh, to, to anyone uh, making decisions of any kind is uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Um, so that's about all the biases and heuristics that we have and that makes it hard for us to um, to make good decisions. So that's a must read. I'll, uh, that's, that's the second time this week I got that one recommended. So I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to buy it now and read it. Uh, so uh, Astrid, thanks for, for joining the Candidate Experience Talks. It was a pleasure to have you and hear your take on working evidence-based in HR. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, join our Candidate Experience Talks community on LinkedIn, where we share exclusive guest content, discussions, and full video episodes of the show. Search for Candidate Experience Talks on LinkedIn, and you'll find the community. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app. Until next time, take care and turn those candidates into promoters. <laughs>